You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down a Jets win over the Blues, including that dominant third period, plus a look across the rest of the NHL. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, that's how you kick off a week. Always fun to start the Tuesday show by breaking down a beauty performance like that up against a division rival too. Might be one of the better Jets performances we've seen out of the club in a few years. And they get it done in resounding fashion against the Blues, a 4-0 victory on a Monday night at the CLC. Tyson Rewicki was down there himself working with C-Job. Tyson, how's it going today? Good, good. Just just happy to be home now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's adorable. (laughs) And you made it home safe. Now, it's funny, too, because there's, there's two things that are funny. One is that, you know, while you were working the game, don't know if you caught up with Monday Night Football or not, but uh, Bailey Zappi comes in at quarterback for the Patriots because Mac Jones couldn't complete a pass more than five yards down the field. He immediately leads the Pats on two scoring drives. They get blown out, but there's a full-blown quarterback controversy out there in New England. Is there a coaching controversy in Winnipeg now that Scott Arneal has led the Jets to a massive win against the St. Louis Blues? Yeah, no, I wasn't able to catch the Chicago game too much. I mean, I... That makes sense. Doesn't seem like I missed too much. It's just a spanking by the Bears. That's going to be interesting going forward too in New England and like with Belichick too. Who who knows how long he's there? But let's let's maybe stay on topic. <laughs> topic yeah. here. That's fair. That's fair. Get 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 well soon too, Bones. Uh, that was hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, a little bit scary earlier on Monday, but uh, he'll be back behind the bench sometime soon. It's it's pretty crazy too. The Jets like outside of sixty minutes against Toronto haven't had their head coach behind the bench just yet and uh, hey if it if it goes like it did against st louis on monday they're going to be just fine no matter who's behind the bench this season but it's also funny too because we were texting after 40 minutes and we were both kind of in agreement essentially saying this this game kind of sucks like, like it's boring as hell right now now you know it's a little different than a lot of jets games in the past especially with some of the fireworks uh going on saturday night against toronto completely 
became irrelevant once the Jets took over in that third period there and, and really just curb stomped St. Louis into oblivion with, with how just ferocious they competed all over the ice against the Blues in that third. But it's funny, too, because, you know, just looking back after we were talking about it, it's kind of nice sometimes to have a boring, a quote-unquote boring performance by the Jets because they didn't, look, offensively they they were fine through through two periods, picked it up big, big, big time in the third, but defensively they they suffocated St. Louis pretty damn good. I, I, I don't know if it is the easiest, but it certainly has to be in the conversation for easiest shutout Connor Hellebuck has had as a member of the Winnipeg Jets, and that's saying something. So while the third period was great, I got to say, sign me up for a few more boring performances from the Winnipeg Jets, especially on the defensive side of things, where there's not really a whole lot to get upset about with their performance. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Hellebuck made some big saves early early on in the in the game, and that kind of, I felt like, set the tone for the Jets after that in the, in the D zone. They were just, like you said, suffocating. It's like St. Louis really... There was not; they couldn't generate anything in that period. And I mean, they got a couple injuries up front with no Buchnevich, no Brandon Saad today. But and it's a bit of a longer, it's a bit of a tough kind of a couple days for them over the past few. Just uh, kind of a weird road trip, almost going from Seattle to Edmonton, then to Winnipeg. Um, yeah, I just thought that the Jets just really kind of buckled down in the D zone. One of their best defensive zone structured games in a long time. And man, in the third period, they just poured it on St. Louis. And Thomas Grice, hey, he he played not bad for Saint. He's okay. <laughs> he I mean, that's, Sam Gagne goal is a little probably one he'd like to have back, but uh, I thought the Jets really put it on. And this game could have easily been probably six or seven nothing with some of the chances that they missed, like caught like Kyle Connor one timer. I could have sworn that was in, but clearly not. And then the, just the the miscue by Dubois off that pass that went off the post. But oh, overall, just a really good game by the Jets. Hey, when Mr. Brightside winds up for a clapper. That's the one thing I'll say is that you were 100% right. That was the loudest the Jets the Jets had been the whole game. It was like after- the Jets fan, right? The building was was going crazy. Yeah, you could see. I mean, it's a little harder to hear with the headset on, but you could hear you could hear a couple uh couple notes coming through from the crowd on yeah. that one. Coming out of my cage and I'm telling you, it's it's a karaoke banger and when Sam Gagne scores his 30th of the season for the Jets later this year, the, the place is going to go absolutely bonkers. Uh, he's been he's been good, too. You know, fourth line, third line, wherever he's he's been asked to suit up so far for the – hey, maybe first line. He didn't look, didn't look all that bad briefly there with Connor and Shifley. But, look, the, just speaking strictly about the defensive play for the Jets, I think – I think there have been instances this year where they've been scored on and they've been unlucky in the sense that position-wise, they've actually been pretty good. It's just, you know, maybe you're an inch or two off on uncertain plays, the Vegas game in particular. You know, the Jets collapse down on the net. They do the right thing technically, but they're just not able to kind of finish on that play. Like, I think there has been signs early on in this season with how they've played that, uh, you know what, the defensive improvements are are there and they're going to be coming. And and maybe it came to a head against the Blues last night. But to me, the key in this game for the Jets and how they absolutely choked out St. Louis, their their neutral zone play was absolutely outstanding. I mean, it, it was flawless. I, I thought they were really, really strong in the middle of the ice. And I, I didn't really see a whole lot of opportunities off the rush for the Blues. 
I didn't see a chance for them to, to come in with numbers against the Jets and didn't see a whole lot of clean entries as well. And and that, that in a sense, is, is maybe more critical to being a good defensive team than having structure and, and playing, quote-unquote, good defensive hockey. Because eventually, even the good defensive teams, if you're in your own half of the ice all the time, you're going to give up chances, you're going to give up goals. But if you can attack teams aggressively and do it with numbers and force people to the outside and force dump-ins and everything like that, all of a sudden, things become a lot clearer and easier and simpler for you defensively. Weren't as many turnovers, which was a big, big thing that's killed this team so far this year, but they were able to snuff any big plays, any big danger in the middle of the ice in this one there. And I I think that's really the key to how this team can be successful defensively is to attack in the middle of the ice and then go out on the counter with some of the skill that you have in your top six. 100%. And I think that's why we saw so many turnovers in the D zone by the Blues is because they really had nowhere to go in the neutral zone. There was there wasn't a lot of guys open, and the Jets were able to in good position in the, on the forecheck in the in the Blues territory, and they jumped on a lot of those a lot of those really brutal turnovers. Yeah, from, from the yeah, I, the, the, the forecheck was the best it's been all season in, yeah. in this game. No, no doubt about it. And you kind of you know this game as a whole was maybe a a microcosm or a display of what Rick Bonus wants this team to look like, what he wants them to play like, forecheck your ass off, be aggressive in the neutral zone, and, and we'll be structured inside our own zone. Connor Hellebuck cleans up the messes that do sometimes happen, and, and we're going to be okay, you know, six times out of ten throughout the season, right? So I, I, I think it was easily the most impressive performance by the Jets this season. And I'll tell you what, you string together four, five, six performances like that in a row. This team's going to get on a bit of a run. It's been a bit of a slow start in the Central Division for basically not Colorado teams in the division so far this year. I, I Yeah, that, that that was about as optimistic of, of a performance that we have seen so far from the Jets this season. No doubt about that. And I, I don't know, Tice, I don't think there was a bad performer in the bunch this evening. I, I think... I think it was solid marks all across the board. Like up front, you know, Shifley is almost single-handedly carrying that top line, but Kyle Connor did a lot of great things, and, and we'll touch on him in just a sec. Uh, he did a lot of great things not shooting the puck, surprisingly. Uh, the second line, again, is continue to create chances on a, on a nightly basis, and it feels like they're due for a breakout performance. Lowry and, and Barron in particular were absolutely forces on the forecheck, and set up a nice kind of game-finishing goal there that even the fourth line generated some chances as well, I, I think, from the forwards and then the defense as well. But primarily the forwards were were, were pretty damn impressive in this one. Yeah, no, I, I love the fourth line's game too, this game. It was just nice, simple, north-south. They get the puck in. They, they, they made a couple nice breakups in the D zone too, and that's just what you need out of this fourth line. That's what this Jets team needs. They, need, they can't afford to get those bottom six guys to get scored on and let the top guys kind of do their thing and then then chip chip in every now and then that was it really was just kind of kind of the perfect perfect scenario for the Jets in this one where they really shut down the game in, in the early stages and then they really did pounce on some of those opportunities later on that they that they forced it wasn't just St. Louis making bonehead plays it was the Jets really having a nice structured game and really pouncing on those opportunities now, there's a few individual performances that I want to mention that we'll get to here, and then we'll take a look at the rest of the NHL, see who's hot, who's not, all that. Um, I, I, I guess it was in Washington. So the 
the Devils fans were chanting "Fire Lindy" in this one. But we we might we might have a coach out the door or two sometime soon here. So we'll get to all that in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. They've got you in for the season of a lifetime. Because new customers can bet five bucks on any team and get two hundy in free bets if you win. It's that simple. You can also turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals scored, how many saves Connor Hellebuck makes, and another shutout coming up soon. All that for a bigger payout thanks to our buddies over there at DK. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So Shifley again. I don't think we need to necessarily touch on him all that much. Although I will say this one quick thing because he's been so good through the first five, six, however many games they've played so far. I don't know. You kind of wonder if some of the whispers and the smoke about him and former head coach Paul Maurice having a bit of a rift um, hold some validity to them. Because it's just it's been a complete 180 from him this year. He's by far and away the Jets' best player right now. And he had another really, really strong game uh, against the St. Louis Blues. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have a good explanation for it, to be honest. Maybe at the end of the year, you know, he was pissed off speaking with the media after game 82. Maybe there was a heart-to-heart with Chevy. And it's like, you know what? You know <laughs> Some some tough questions were asked. He looked in the mirror and said, I'm going to be better. And, and he was. I don't know what the reason is for, for the massive improvement in his play, specifically in, in one half of the ice. But if you're looking for a team MVP so far, he's no doubt been that guy. And, man, if he plays like this all season long, that's that's a top 10 centerman in the NHL, right? Like the, I don't know. The offense has, has always been there for him. The skill's been there. But the commitment to me is has obviously been the big change so far, and, and he is no doubt about it. The one driving the bus up front for Winnipeg, he has been an absolute force to start this season, one hundred percent. And I almost think that one of the reasons why we have seen some more elevated play out of Shifley is because of the extra leadership role that he's been taking. And I think all three guys, all three alternate captains, have really stepped up since the season started. And with uh, Blake Wheeler being stripped of his C, and I can I can't help but think that maybe. Shifley almost feels a bit of responsibility from from Wheeler losing his C and thinking, you know what, maybe I do have to, like you said, take a look in the mirror and kind of start to pull up my bootstraps. And man, he has looked just so dynamite this year. He looks like a guy who was one of the guys who seemed like a lock to make Team Canada before yeah. last. And I mean, if there was an Olympic team this year, he'd be front runner for that top six 100%. So it's yeah. just great to see Mark Shifley. And I will throw in Morrissey and Adam Lowry step up in those and what's now an absent leadership role on the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, they've they've both been great too. Morrissey has been kind of eye-opening since the start of the year again for me. So really, really strong starts from Shifley and those three, like you mentioned as well. Also, while maybe not necessarily showing on the score sheet so far, 
it, it just man, he's fun to watch, and he's just he's gonna be a special, special player. But Cole Perfetti already is pretty pretty damn good. Like he's he's gonna be something in three or four years for this club. I mean, he's got four points in five games already. So so maybe I should maybe I should amend that a little bit. But he, he's just he's so smart. He sees the ice so well. He's always making the right play. The one thing that you know kind of stands out to me, and unfortunately, Tice, we have experience with this. You know, being fans of a, a certain Philadelphia hockey team. But sometimes a team has a prized prospect and you watch them play in their rookie season or early on in their career and you're like, he's going to be good. But but you don't really believe it. And and there's like, oh, that was a good shift. See, he's going to be just fun. right. Like you, you're trying to talk yourself into, you know what, they're, they're going to be a star player for us one day, even though in the back of, the, of, of your mind, you're kind of like, we picked a dead. We picked another dead again. That that is not the case with Perfetti whatsoever. Uh, he he just he looks the part. To me, I've made this comparison before, and I think it's I I just think it's completely apt. I I think he's Mitch Marner light for the Winnipeg Jets. He sees and, and plays the game in a very very similar style to Marner. I I think as this season goes along, wouldn't be shocked to see him handle more responsibility. I think he's smart enough to be a good PK weapon for this team too eventually at some point. Um, but I, I don't know what the ceiling is this season for Cole Perfetti. I don't know if I don't know if he's ever going to be you know a 100 point guy like Mitch Marner. But I'm also not going to say that he's not going to be somebody like that because he's got a ton of tools in his in his kit there, and he's just been so so steady for this team, which is kind of remarkable considering that he's going to be up for the Calder Trophy by the end of the season. Oh. Totally, and he's a guy who's coming into the season a bit cold too, with the with his injury to end last season. He didn't get a lot of games there at the end of the season, so for him to come into camp this year and really just blow the doors off of everything and show how how skilled he is, and he's a guy too who, in the next couple of years, once he gets bigger, uh, not bigger but stronger, and he learns the and he learns the speed of the game a little bit more, I think we're going to see Cole Perfetti take a huge step almost as soon as next year and towards the end of the season. I could see him really start to get comfortable with the pace of the NHL and kind of start to open some eyes across the league about how good of a player that he can be. Yeah. The, now, now you kind of touched on it there. The one thing that I think he does need to work on and people will say he needs to, I mean, look, he does need to get stronger and, and bigger and everything like that. I don't think that's necessarily what he has to work on. The one thing I have noticed, and he took a bit of a shot in this game, he does need to do a bit of a better job at protecting himself. Because yes. he's taken some monster, monster hits early on this season. And and teams are going to go after him, right? Like, he's a skilled guy on this club, younger guy, kind of slight frame, things like that. It's not necessarily taking the hit that he's got to do a better job. It's more so, can you spin out of hits? If you're in a vulnerable position, can you keep your head up and avoid a guy that's 220 trying to ram you into the third row? Like, just little things like that. I I, I do have some concern of, you know, can you hold up physically through the course of 82 games if you're taking big shots like that up and down the ice? Albeit a cheap shot in that Toronto game, but still a, a big shot nonetheless. You know, that that's something he's going to have to learn a little bit. And we see smaller guys across the league, you know, do a good job of that. Some guys don't do as good of a job of that, and they'll miss 10, 15, 20 games a year. Well, you know, hopefully that's not going to be the case for Perfetti this year, but 
that's really the only thing I think I'd be looking at in terms of what he can improve on because offensively he's been lights out so far for the Jets on that second line. Um, one other positive thing, you know, I think we and a lot of Jets fans are quick to jump on when this guy has a bad game and he's been a scapegoat in, in, in certain segments of this Jets fan base. Logan Stanley has had himself a couple strong games, and I thought Stanley played his best game of the year in this one, too. You know, being a little more assertive with the puck. Maybe not assertive, but just, just being confident in terms of, of making the right play with the puck on his stick. Trying to, you know, kickstart a breakout for the Jets. He's got some underrated, you know, puck skills when he's got some time and space. But I, I thought, you know, physically, too, he can get better in terms of being a little bit nastier out there, and he delivered a big hit in the first period to one of the Blues forwards. You know, if we're, if we're going to be unafraid to call him out when he has a bad game, let's give him some flowers when he has himself a good game or two. I thought Logan Stanley acquitted himself quite well in that one, Tice. Yeah, and he kind of set the stage for the next game against St. Louis with that scrum at the end where he was kind of, he was being the big bad bully that everyone wants him to be. And yeah, I, I, I like Stanley's game the last couple. And one one kind of underrated part of Stanley's game that I've, kind, that I've grown to kind of enjoy is his ability to get pucks through on net. And that's kind of an underrated skill in the NHL for a defenseman. And just as a, he's got, in that corner on the blue line, he's got a nice kind of little stutter step almost. A little shimmy shake. Where he shakes the head. Shake and bake. Just, send, just sends the, demon, the, the forward just off to the side a little bit and just gives him that little space just to get the puck through on net. I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's a little thing, but that's those are the kind of things that Stanley's going to have to really dial into to to carve out a long career in the NHL. And I, yeah. think, I think he's really making those steps too. He's got underrated puck skills. Yeah. That's I mean, like, a, you kind of look at, you know, six, seven and you, you kind of picture, you have a, a stereotype of what he's supposed to be, but he he's pretty decent with the puck on his stick. And when he's got time and space to make a play now, when he's pressured inside his own zone in particular, I think that's when you see, some of the decision-making difficulties that he does have. I think, you know, sometimes processing the game at a, at a, at a fast level is, is probably his downfall. But he's kind of sneaky good <laughs> with the buck on his stick. He's got a good shot. And, and yeah, he's, he's been able to generate a little bit of offense, at least for the Jets, from that spawn of the left point there. Yeah, no, and even that little, when he slides down the board sometimes and fires that, what, that shot high, short side, high blocker, man, it was... We start seeing a little more of those in, in this season. Logan Stanley might be uh, might have some untapped potential there. Who knows? Logan Stanley or Neil Pionk, who scores more goals for the Jets this season for the back end? That'll be the question. Forty. I'm all, all low gang, baby. We're on. The, we're in the low gang. Low gang. <laughs> I call him Groot. I, low gang's a good one. That's all right. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to put the copyright symbol on that one. Low gang. Low gang for life. <laughs> um, the I I don't even know if it's necessary. I guess it's kind of a negative. Um, you know, the one thing just just for me watching him out there right now is I, I think it's going to change eventually, probably sometime soon, maybe Thursday night in L.A. Uh, but Kyle Connor for me is just kind of overthinking it with the puck right now, I mean, mainly just in terms of shooting it. I mean, there was look, he had what was it, two assists in the game for sure. One at the very least was a crucial part in, in setting up another goal for the Jets. Don't know if he ended up getting credit for that. Uh, you know, he did a lot of things right in this game. He was really, really good on the forecheck as well. Helped to set up the opening goal of the night for the Jets. But it, it's just, it's a it's a goal scorer who is lacking 
some confidence right now. And it, it happens over the course of a season. But, I mean, you had him in the slot there, one-on-one essentially with Grice, and he kind of fumbles it. Should I pass? Should I shoot? It, it, it's just not super sharp in terms of the goal-scoring department right now for Kyle Connor. The, maybe the only negative on the night for the team there. I think he will eventually figure it out, but you can just tell he's he's gripping the stick a little bit too much. He needs one of those just like a like a bang bang play where he doesn't have to think. It's just go off instinct, you know. Let your your goal scoring talent to the you know take over and and you'll put a couple past the tendy. But just yeah, a little bit tougher for him, and I mean tough for Austin Matthews right now too. He's not there's a lot of good goal scorers right now. Not put it in the back of the net, but just just kind of weird seeing. Kyle Connor second guess himself in some dangerous areas in the offensive zone. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think that once he gets one, we're going to really start to see we'll get a thousand. Yeah. In. An interesting stat on Kyle Connor today. He's over his career. He's faced Thomas Grice. This was this would be the third time he's faced Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice has Kyle Connor's number early on in his NHL career. He's stopped all eighteen shots from Kyle Connor in the three games that they played. So oh. I thought that was a little interesting stat today. Very that yeah there that's the CJOB in you right there doing the work I like it Thomas Grace the Connor Slayer, um so yeah that's I mean that's kind of the only negative of the game for the Jets you almost put up a fifty burger you blow out a division rival it's all hunky dory it's all gravy for this team and a big win too for them in in the sense that the schedule kind of eases up as well for Winnipeg here now you get three and four nights coming up. But if you lose this one, I think it's more so if the Jets would have lost this game, you're two and four, and then all of a sudden you you need to beat some teams. And you and you got right now it's you know, the game in LA doesn't hold critical importance. You've got matchups against Arizona, Montreal, and Chicago in three of your next five here. There's a chance for the Jets. You know, you win those three. Now, having said that, they've in the past struggled in games they're supposed to win, but you win those three, you split. One of the two against LA, and I believe Vegas is the other difficult matchup there. You win one of those two, all of a sudden this team is seven and four. Eleven games into the year, you put yourself at a damn good spot to uh, at least be in playoff positioning by the time American Thanksgiving rolls around. So a, a really, really solid effort and uh, two points kind of well needed right now for the Winnipeg Jets, especially with the rest of the Central struggling a little bit. And that's kind of where we'll close off the episode here, Tice. We're five, six, maybe even seven games in for some of the teams in the NHL through the first couple of weeks of the season. Let's start at the Central. Anything popping out, good or bad to you, with that division? Dallas and Pete DeBoer off to the hottest start, I guess, out of anybody. The the Pete DeBoer year one effect is is, uh, taking full force right now in Texas. Uh, But for me, it's I think it's maybe more so... The Nashville Predators, you started off the year in Chechia 2-0, and they can't buy a win right now, struggling. Um, the Jets find themselves a couple points up on Nashville and Minnesota, two teams that I think a lot of people thought might grab a couple of playoff spots in that division, make it tough for the Jets to crack the line. Yeah, my my surprise team, though, in the Central, though, is how about those Chicago Blackhawks right now? Kind of ripping off, ripping off three wins in a row here. It's going to be it's, – it's, I mean – it's nice to have some competition in the in the central there and kind of get some. No, it's not. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's not. I, I hate competition. It's not, but it is because like you need to be in those games where the games actually matter instead of playing. You know, like it's just you you don't want 
to not wake up for those games where you need to win, like you've said before. There's, there's that's been a problem over the past couple of years. How you know just Jets haven't been quite able to kind of they almost seem to lower their level of play to their opponents when their opponents are lesser. Oh, okay, all right. You're saying they won't take them for granted because they've they've got a bit of a run going right now. Right, right. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've had you've had better takes. Doesn't sound like. I don't love that one. I'm not saying that they're going to the playoffs or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it is. It's funny. So, like, I mean, there there are teams that do jump out and surprise every. I mean, look, I don't think Chicago is going to be one of those teams, but it does happen every year where it's like, holy crap! One team we thought was three years away is all of a sudden here right now. Um, like I said, Chicago, I don't think is there. You look over at the Pacific; it's kind of going as expected there. Uh, wait, how about how about Minnesota? That's they're gonna have some problems on D there. It seems like they're getting in a lot of high scoring games the last couple. Yeah, yeah, they've given up nearly 30 goals through five games, which by my math, um, yeah, giving up five goals a game is uh, not a recipe for uh, for for winning hockey games. I I like you know I think this might have been a little bit underrated or under talked about going into the year with the Wild. I like their team. I like their skaters, but. Marc-Andre Fleury is almost 40 years old, and while he was good last year, he wasn't great, and it's an age where goaltenders can play good going into their late 30s, but they can also fall off a cliff right now, and I do wonder a little bit, you know, with no Cam Talbot there as a security blanket, yeah, maybe maybe Minnesota could fall back a little bit. I think they'll be okay, um, but maybe they have to go shopping for some goaltending help later on in the season there. Um, but the one team that I might jump on here that, that I think is going to make things a little bit interesting, it's not Chicago. Um, Detroit, who I picked, did we both pick them to go to the playoffs this yeah. year? Detroit's yeah. off to a, a great start for them. I think I'm on the Buffalo Sabres bandwagon. Oh. So they are, a, they are a wagon right now. They're playing some damn good hockey. They're fun to watch. And it, it just seems like the vibe there is... The vibes are at an all-time high right now with the Sabres. They've gotten over the Eichel situation. Tage Thompson somehow is a superstar. Alex Tuck has been great. Eric Comrie's been out of this world. Craig Anderson. He started so far. Like, and, and, and the defense in Buffalo was all of a sudden like a top 10 decor. Like they're, I think they might be for legit. Yeah, and and Darlene's just totally launched himself into that Norris echelon of defenseman, and he's been just unreal to start the season. What's his? What's the record he broke? Most goals scored consecutively to the start, start a year. Yep, yep. So he's just been dynamite, and it's gonna be that's that's a really good D down there in Buffalo. You got Rasmus Darlene, Owen Power, Samuelson got locked up to long term. Okay, let me ask you this, Tyson, and can you be honest with me? Yes. When you saw the Mateus Samuelson contract, was your first thought, who is Mateus Samuelson? You know, I was like, why? <laughs> you know, I, was, I, saw, I was like, why? Would you, why? But I, I, I was Look, I kind of pride myself on my hockey knowledge. I was like, I did not know he existed. <laughs> I like, I thought it was just, hey, this the Sabres are out of it by January. Let's call up some guy from the A and see what happens there. Uh, but they were pretty high on him, and yeah, he he looks legit. He's he's a hell of a player, and they, it's just it's crazy how quickly they've got their decor settled, right? Like you've got your top pair in Dalene and, and Samuelson, and 
look, Darlene's been outstanding. Owen Power's been just as good as him as well. They are, they are, they are set. They're really set all over the place. I, you know, you look at the bottom of the division there. Tampa Bay is Tampa. They'll probably figure it out. I'll tell you what, though, if you're Toronto right now, you better get your act together because this, this ain't, this ain't the Atlantic division of years past. Like Buffalo and Detroit are for real. Boston, again, is doing what the Bruins do, and they're not going anywhere just yet. If they think they could just cakewalk and sleepwalk to a hundred point season, the Leafs are are sorely mistaken, you know, all, all you know, despite their triumph in Winnipeg on Saturday. That that division all of a sudden looks like it looks like the premier division in the NHL all of a sudden with those cellar dwellers and Ottawa included off to great starts. Totally. Well, and I got a question for you. What do you think it takes in Toronto? For there to be sort of a full, full kind of change up of the front office and coaching staff, like what do you? Yeah, think? I don't. I don't think Dubis is going anywhere. I mean, it would for for Dubis, it would be like catastrophic failure. Right. Right. I I think Keith is big, big, big time on the hot seat. Yeah. I I think I think they lose three or four in a row. Gonzo. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think Kyle Dubis can or will wait whatsoever there. And yeah, Barry Trotz. He might be number one on speed dial right there with the Leafs, but yeah, I, I look. I I was high on Toronto going into the year. I've kind of defended them in the past. I'm out on Toronto. I hate watching them play. I I, I hate I I all those people with the hot takes before saying this team will never win. All that's I'm I'm on board with that now. Like I I, I don't think these guys have it. I I'm kind of sick and tired of watching the Leafs play. Even Keith's comments over like the in his post game pressers the last couple, it's been it's weird. It's really weird listening to him talk about the team, and it's just it's there's something going on down there in Toronto, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play these out. I mean, we could be seeing Austin Matthews in a Kachina jersey in a couple, in a oh, couple of years. Who knows? <laughs> the 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 Houston Coyotes is that was that what you're. Uh, and, and quickly, uh, a brief peek at the Metro. It's the it's the year of Philly sports. The Flyers are the Flyers are back. The Flyers are all the way back. Should you should have got Torts was out there in the open Toronto. You went with Keith. The oh. Torts is out there just waiting. Um, but yeah, Carter Hart's been great. That's about it for the Flyers. Nobody wants to hear that crap. Um, but all in all, kind of just you know outside of the Flyers going according to plan for the Metro. Not no real big surprises other than. The Islanders off to a really, really slow start, and again, yeah, Barry Trotz, <laughs> Barry Trotz's resume and, and his salary demands, he could basically point to the Islanders' record this year and what he did with them two and three years ago, and saying, "Look, I can pretty much make a, a gourmet dish out of uh, anything that you offer me." There, um, you do wonder what the future holds for the Islanders. A ton of a ton of guys signed to long term deals. And a, t- a ton of vets out there as well that that wouldn't be easy to move if this team continues to struggle. Yeah, and I I said in our predictions, I just really am not a fan of this Islanders team. I don't like the way they're constructed. I think it's their roster is more so of a ticking time bomb, just waiting. And maybe we're seeing that right now because like, they've got a lot of their key contributors up front are they're getting up there in age. Anders Lee is getting up there. He's got a l- really long term deal, and he's got some injury concerns. Josh Bailey's getting up there in age as well. There's just I don't know. Long Island's a tough one. I mean, they've got the high-end talent in Barzell, but it just they just haven't been able to unleash them yet. And it seems like they're it just seems like they're really struggling to get going this year. And it's they're a team that once they get going, it seems like they're really hard to beat. But there's some even in the bubble season when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, 
if you look at the standings before the COVID shutdown happened, they were really sliding and it wasn't yeah. looking good down there in the island. And then, of course, bubble happens and then they really find their stride in the bubble and almost knock off the lightning. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Lane Lambert can kind of pull things back together in Long Island. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough division out there in the Metro, too. Um, the other thing to watch is <laughs> poor, poor Lindy Ruff. I, I do feel bad for him. He's been a dead man walking. And it's not his fault, too, in the sense that for a team that hasn't been able to get a stop for five seasons, traded for a goalie that couldn't get a stop in Washington and then also bet on their backup goalie to regain his form that he hasn't found in three seasons as well. Um, no, no surprise that coaches that enter the unemployment line are uh, usually victim of sub 900 goaltending, which the devils have been victim of yet again. There nothing to worry about for the Winnipeg jets in that department though, as long as number 37 is behind the blue paint first shutout of the year for Connor Hellebuck. We'll see if he can make it two in a row when we get back at it to close out the week. And that's where we'll leave this episode here with a preview of what's to come. We'll be back at it on Friday morning, breaking down the next game for the Winnipeg Jets on their schedule. They kick off another road trip, taking on the Los Angeles Kings in Hollywood on a Thursday. So that's where we'll get to when we get back at it to wrap up the week on Friday. Until then, though, thank you guys so much once again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Thanks again. To CJOB's Tyson Ruwicki for stopping by here. I almost mispronounced our last name, which is pretty <laughs> embarrassing. I'll try and get it right when we get back at it on Friday, breaking down Jets Kings for you guys. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your work week. Stay safe and have a good time, everybody. Peace. <laughs>